0: You're listening to the IFF TV podcast.
1: football fan tv this is our league of ireland show the premier division show i'm joined by gary spain is freshly vaccinated as of yesterday gary how are you a bit of normality is beckoning i would say
0: yeah it's um it's great i was out in city west as you said getting my um my jab yesterday and uh it's great to see and the great feeling of hope and normality starting to come back and uh hopefully we'll be back at matches i mean we'll see fans at games and see a bit of an atmosphere and uh there's certainly uh i'm sorry a lot more uh goodwill th- people are feeling I, I get a sense anyway that people are feeling a lot better about things and uh yeah better times ahead hopefully
1: yeah please god we can start getting fans into the grounds because you know even kind of being out at the weekend and stuff like that it is then to kind of get that feel of There's a little bit of normality creeping back in and, you know, with football back, kids are back, adults are back playing and stuff now. So it was a bit of luck. Uh, Obviously, there was fans in the FA Cup there the other day, which was great to see when Leicester won the FA Cup and the fans were able to enjoy it with the players and stuff like that. So hopefully we can replicate maybe something, maybe not to that magnitude, of course, but maybe something soon and have fans back in grounds
0: watching the playoffs last night as well it was great to see um fans at the games and even though there were, there were very small numbers and they were well spaced out they still generated a bit of an atmosphere and as you said the the FA Cup final on saturday was it looked really great you know um even with the small number of fans
1: yeah well let's talk about fans because there was a bit of a ruckus over the weekend with the shamrock rovers game um you know, it was a one off draw. Will Passion gets a penalty and then Rory Gaffney gets a goal that, you know, pretty much the internet was, was fuming about. Um, I mean, the, the trolling gets taken about 15 yards up the field by Liam Scales after the ball goes out. Uh, there was two balls on the pitch. And then, yeah, the throwing was taken much further up the pitch and then they got their goal and nothing was really said from a referee point of view. I know Rory Higgins after the game was, was raging, as you would be. Um, And then there was two red cards towards the end of the game, two second yellows for Sean Hoare and Daniel Lafferty, obviously, of course, former Shamrock Rovers man as well. So there was quite a bit of drama at this one. And, you know, Derry taking the lead as well, I suppose, with a bit bit of a shock. And they will definitely feel aggrieved that they came away from there with a point. They probably probably thought that they, they could have won it before the game. They probably would have bitten your hand off for a point, though
0: yeah I mean it probably was a point was all they deserved all the Rovers did not play well uh it's it's probably a game Rovers will just uh take the point and move on although they would have expected three points at the start given they fell behind again and given they came back again I think Stephen Bradley would be delighted with the character of his team um and as you said the controversial I mean the the two red cards the both second yellows both late enough in the game the dairy penalty to take the lead again and and dispatched by will patching the the, the big talking point was Rory Gaffney's goal I, I've actually watched it now from the watch LOI angle and also from a, a video I think this was taken by a phone at the far side of the pitch and yeah I I have some I have some sympathy with Derry City first of all there is no doubt the throwing was taken from the wrong place you said 15 yards I've seen everything from 20 to 35 yards being claimed the video on the other side of the pitch does it by the advertising hoardings which gives a good idea that it was significantly I mean the the, the throwing was close enough to the halfway line and it was significantly further up the pitch and and as you say there were two balls on the pitch at the time as well now, what I would say is, they, although the laws of the game haven't changed on this, referees have got a lot more lax on throw-ins, free kicks being taken from the wrong place. Having said that, if there was VAR, I, I have no doubt the goal would have been chalked off. Uh, still well taken by Rory Gaffney and poor enough positioning by uh, Nathan Garthside in the Derry goal as well. I thought he could have done better. I mean, Rory was coming in at a, a tight enough angle. Um but, well, what do you say about rovers it's 33 games now unbeaten they're still not firing in all cylinders they're still not looking like the shamrock rovers of last season but then what does it say when they're six points clear at the top and it just looks ominous for the rest of the league and I'm not even sure we're going to have a title race again this this season
1: yeah I think that's the thing though isn't it, it you know the fact that they're still not playing Particularly well, I suppose if you're comparing them to last year, where they were fabulous to watch, and um, but I don't think Stephen Bradley will care because they're still winning games. I think he would care if they were playing bad and not getting results, kind of like Dundalk at the moment. But the fact is, they are playing badly. Well, not not terribly, but they're not playing as as good as last year. But they're still getting the results. Again, they're still, for me, they still seem to be getting used to each other. I think that's that's definitely the case. I mean, Sean Gannon. Still kind of looks a shadow of the player that he was at Dundalk, but he seems to be playing a much further up the field kind of position for Dundalk. He's like a right wing back, but when the Rovers are on the offensive, he's almost a right winger. That's how high up he's playing. So I think they are still kind of getting used to each other. It would be interesting to see when Richie Towell comes in. He's obviously been confirmed there uh, last week. So it would be interesting to see when he comes in and, and how he can fit in with the likes of Graham Burke and Dan Mandreau because... You know, they kind of like to pick up different pockets of space. It would be interesting to see whether they be getting in each other's way. Because at the start of the season, Mandreo and Burke were kind of doing that. They were kind of getting in each other's way because they were kind of similar minded in terms of they wanted to drop deep, try and get touches of the ball because they were probably getting frustrated that they weren't getting touches of the ball. But Mandreo's gone on to have a, a brilliant start to the season so far. Um, maybe not as involved as he'd want to be the other day, but in terms of games so far, he's been a, a brilliant signing for them. Um, you know what you're going to get with Graham Burke and so on. But I think from, from a dairy point of view, they could take uh, a lot of positives. Bad that, that goal, they could take a lot of positives. Some this, you know, going to Tallah Stadium, taking the lead and then maintaining the draw at the very least. You know, because Shamrock Rovers, we know they're relentless in their approach to, especially towards the end of the game, to get late goals. Now, obviously, they scored in the 56th minute, but they didn't score anything after that. So, in fairness to Derry, they showed a bit of resolve to to see out the result.
0: Yeah, a couple of points there. First thing, I mean, I think Stephen Bradley will be delighted with the character of his team, and it is a real sign of champions when you're not playing well, you're not at your best, and you're still able to grind out results. And Rovers, 33 games unbeaten, they're certainly well able to grind out and get the results this season and it's it's actually ominous and frightening for the league when they do find form because they probably will very soon that someone is really going to suffer at the end of that yeah I think Terry will still be delighted I think when Rory Higgins looks back he'll be delighted with the point uh, they're still third from bottom um but I think it's definitely a false position and I think they will move away comfortably away from the relegation zone. His away form has actually been superb since he's taken over. I mean, they've gone to Sligo and won, gone to Bose and won and uh, now gone to Tala and, and, and taken a point as well. They obviously need to improve the home form. They're obviously disappointed with the defeat by Finn Harps and even getting a 93rd minute equalizer against Longford won't um won't be too too, too good or, or too happy for Rory either but I, I think Derry will comfortably move away from the relegation zone I don't see them being in a relegation battle at all and uh, if he gets a couple of signings in July they, they could well be still plenty of time for them to challenge for the European spots um Rovers as I said it's it's looking ominous they've gone six points clear they're still not firing at all cylinders. They've Richie towel to come, as you say. I'm sure Stephen Bradley knows exactly what he wants him for. Um, but when a player of his calibre becomes available, uh, a club like Shamrock Rovers is definitely always going to be on, on, in the bidding and on the market. And uh, I think he's a great signing for them. I'm not sure how it's going to work. I mean, you mentioned Danny Mandreo. Uh, he has probably been the signing of the season so far. He's been absolutely superb. It's very much the 2019 uh, player that we saw with Bowes who looked a real talent, as opposed to the player last season who was probably had some injury issues, was in and out of the side, etc. And uh, he's proved to be, in a, be a superb signing and chipped in with a few crucial goals as well. Um, but what do we say? The, the only caveat I would have about Shamrock Rovers uh title challenge or, or, or the title race or the only hope we could have a title race is that uh come July Rovers will be heavily involved in Europe uh hopefully they will win their first game in the Champions League they will be on but there's certainly plenty of beatable teams just need a little bit of luck in the draw and if that happens they're guaranteed at least eight games in total in Europe assuming the home and away format is back and they'd only if they can win their first Champions League game which is absolutely crucial they're only going to be one more win away from group stage football which can mean another six games so potentially Rovers could have 14 games in Europe between now and and November uh now that is an awful lot of football but they have a huge squad so even if they do uh go on a run in Europe and even if they prioritize Europe which I would not be surprised if they had a bit of a lead in the league that they, they would focus very much on your, particularly that first champions league game. I think that's going to be absolutely crucial. If they get a winnable, uh, a win. they could be unlucky. They could get the likes of Legia Warsaw or someone like that, but they could, there are plenty of teams in there, uh, such as the Lithuanian champions, et cetera, that are, are very beatable. And so that's the only, I suppose as a neutral looking on, Uh, obviously i wish rovers all the best in europe i'd really like to see somebody challenge them for the title and just to make the title race that bit more interesting and uh that's probably the only way i see they could take their eye off the ball a little bit but even if you're looking at the rover squad and you're looking at the players on the bench um it's it's just absolutely superb and uh if if rovers b were in the premier division uh with if they had quite a, access to a lot of stephen bradley's players they'd probably be up in the top half as well
1: yeah no i would have to agree with, with, with the majority of that it will be interesting to see who they get drawn with and how they cope with that but i think again they'll probably add again a few more faces as well as Richie tell in the in the half season break, I think they've been looking at Colin Whelan. I think you'd mentioned or one of the lads mentioned that he was at uh, the UCD ball watching um, against Treaty. I think it was. It might have been you who said it to me. But you know, if you get someone like him in again, he's another player who looks young and hungry and would kind of fit that mould of the Gary O'Neill or Neil Ferrucci. You know, coming from UCD, and uh, I know it hasn't worked out probably as as well as Neil wanted it to do, but it's worked out quite well for Gary. Um, Neil of course will be looking to, to get back from his hamstring injury and hopefully he does because he seems like a great fella but I think if they can get a couple of players in like that to obviously add to their squad um, and then they can maybe prioritise some games in Europe and prioritise some league games because they obviously have the quality in their squad to do that but uh, it's gonna be an interesting game against the dark on friday and, and um hopefully i'm getting to go to that i've applied for it so hopefully i get a chance to see that up in oriel park but moving on to a game not far from oriel park um heading the game park and this was a game i was at drogheda against st pats uh, a 3-1 win for drada and I, I have to say i was really impressed with Drogheda and number one the first thing i was impressed with was dame massey's unbelievable messy like free kick uh, i had a brilliant view of it i had a brilliant view from behind myself and were at Kiron when i had this game and um that's why he has the, the the draw that mug there as you can probably see and um, he brought me that a few years ago but anyway just by cho- just by choice or just by chance uh, i have it here beside me but there you go um I had a great view of this goal, though. Uh, Dane Massey, he, he, there was a bit of an argument of who was going to take it. I think Daniel O'Reilly and him um, were kind of arguing over who was going to take it. But Dane stepped up and took it. And once it left his foot, you could just see it. Top ins, uh, brilliant free game, absolutely brilliant. And then Mark Doyle in the 45th minute then with an absolute powerhouse of a strike. Again, another one I had a good view of. Um, and uh, yeah, going in 2-0 at the break for it. I was thinking, wow, and Pats never really turned up in this game. It kind of reminded me of the Pats from last season, which in their credit, I hadn't seen up until now. So, you know, maybe this is just a blip or maybe the squad's maybe getting a little bit tired, um, but yeah, it was just it was a, I suppose a disaster of results for Pat's. They almost get back into it with you Nahum know, Melvin Lambert's skull. There was a bit of pinball in the box from a corner, then he scored. And then, literally as Pat's were poiling all the pressure, James Brown absolutely motors up the pitch and um, gets himself into a good position. Should probably score, but the defender makes an unbelievable block. And then Jordan Adiyemo is there and he makes no mistake and basically wins the game for Georgia and you know again a really impressive performance by droida and i know a lot of people have been impressed by by how they've bought and the players that they brought in but i I was extremely impressed with gary deegan in midfield who you know obviously knew i was a big fan of anyway with shells last year probably before the um the lockdown and then um you had Dane massey who obviously scored the free kick but there was players like Again, I, I touch on uh, Dan O'Reilly, who didn't really get a kick at Shells last year, and he's come in into that chocolate team, and he's been one of their standout players. He was player of the year, I think, before for Finn Harps, before he went to Shelburne. But I, could, I couldn't understand why he wasn't really getting a look in at Shells last year. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, but Jota just had this, I, I suppose, assuredness about them. They just they didn't look... You know that that's um bothered by even when Pat's got the goal and po- piled on the pressure they they were absorbing it now they it did look like Pats would maybe get a late equaliser but the fact the character they showed to go up the other end with James Brown, who another player who's been really good as well this season um and, and has been getting a lot of plaudits as well all the fans that were sitting around us there was there was people sitting around us and they were all talking about James Brown and what a great attitude he has and what a great player he is. But he goes up the other end, and then he, he, well, I wouldn't say he created the chance. I mean, he was going for a goal. He was true on goal, but I can't remember what defender blocked it, but it was a great block. And then it just failed to add the ammo, and he just smashed it in. So, from a jog's point of view, absolutely brilliant. They, they must be delighted with that result. It, probably a game, a, a massive upset in my eyes. I thought St. Pat's would have comfortably won that game. But at the same time, I was pleasantly shocked. Because you know, I went up there with Kieran, who is obviously a Drawhada fan, so I kind of wanted uh, Drahada to win for his sake, you know.
0: Yeah, great win for Drahada. and uh, we've talked about them on this show before, and they've they've definitely impressed this season. Uh, and Tim Clancy has done some job there, and he, he, look, he knew exactly what he was doing in the off season. He signed Dan Massey is an incredible signing, and I I am. Uh, I imagine the are probably ruining the fact that they let him go maybe they didn't have a choice in the matter Gary Deegan's a great signing Ronan Murray's a great signing they've signed proven quality experienced Premier Division players and and that's what you need I mean they've come up as champions uh, from the first division but they, they needed to strengthen because it why it, it is a big step up in class and they've already had some impressive results and even just take getting those draws against the likes of Sligo and Bose etc um they hammered Longford they, and, they, and they started well I mean they beat Waterford in the opening day which gave them a great boost uh not mind that the game, I won't mention the game down on the RSC but they're I mean they're comfortably well well clear of the relegation zone they're probably in a battle with Finn Harps at the moment you could say for fourth place I'm not sure how long that's going to last but um it was a really impressive win uh, big disappointment from a Pats perspective I was just talking about the title race the reason I'm getting concerned that we won't have a title race it's it's a second defeat in a row for Pats appreciate they've probably overachieved and I don't think too many people were expecting Pats to challenge for the title at the start of the season and 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 being realistic if St. Pat's finish in the European places it'll be a fantastic season and a great achievement by Stephen O'Donnell just the only caveat is given they've started so well it will be disappointing for them to have to get those two defeats on the row two defeats in a row and then next up is Bose which is a really difficult one and suddenly you're thinking god if that goes wrong then uh results are really starting to go against you etc so um massive game on on friday night at richmond park so but getting back to drada it's been a a superb start to the season i think their aim would have been to avoid relegation it doesn't look like they're even going to be in a relegation battle at this stage they've already built up quite a gap on what we can call the bottom two we can go on and talk about the relegation battle later on but the gap that and finn harps have built up over those two it probably means they won't even get involved in the relegation battle and then do you start dreaming i mean mid-table mediocrity i think the likes tim clancy and ollie horgan would have been delighted with that at the start of the season but maybe they're dreaming of europe now
1: yeah well you never know and look the players that they've had have european experiences you know Dane massey i am um even say Gary Dean because he's been up and around there with with Bowes and previously stuff like that. So they have players there that that, they just have this know-how to get results. And that's, when you're coming up, I think that's massive. I think that when you're coming up to the Premier Division and they have some young players in that squad as well. Don't forget, like... um, if you think about it, and the young lads the, the keeper in goal, um, then you had Adiyamo came on scored the goal. So they do have young players in that squad. Obviously, you know, dealing with the players that they have there as well. You've you've players like Dinny Corcoran and stuff like that who uh, hasn't really got a look in so far. I don't know what the effects of that injury he got. It's still maybe um he he still maybe coming to terms or coming to fitness on that. So I haven't really seen him. Uh, but you've got Ronan Murray and, and something like that. So they, they have, and I I can't stress it enough how well they've bought to help them get to the position that they're in now. And it, it it was a smart move by Tim Clancy, and you know, it seemed to suit the players and stuff like that. Gary Deegan, again, he just has that know how sits in the midfield and he just he's telling everyone where they should be, what what their role is, and he's just covering everything. Um you have Dane Massey who's constantly talking to the defense. Um you know, Dan O'Reilly, I know he's not the most experienced, but he just has this calmness on the ball. Which I think for a team like that coming up, they just need some players like that. Like Waterford are a prime example of what you don't do coming into this league. I know they've been up for a few seasons and stuff like that and nearly got Europe last year, but what they didn't do is they didn't buy any experienced players to come in at the start of the season. And now they're kind of left with a very youthful squad with probably two experienced players in Oscar Brennan and Brian Murphy. And they're struggling because when they don't play they don't have these players who have that know-how to get results and get them over the line in games like for example when parts were boiling under pressure and then one counter-attack bang 3-1 game over that's it you know and that's uh, huge credit to, to draw for that and if i was a pats fan i would be raging because they just never got going in this game at all
0: yeah i'm just looking at the league table here i mean draw are or uh, they're in fourth place They're three points behind Sligo they're 10 points ahead of Waterford and nine ahead of Longford now I know I appreciate there's only 11 games gone but that's a massive gap for the likes of Waterford and Longford to make up not to mind all the other teams you've got to get past in between so uh, a couple more wins and you're thinking they're going to be well clear of this and uh, as we know, fourth place could well be European football if one of the top three wins the cup, which normally is the case. Normally the the FEI Cup winners these days does come from one of the top two or three clubs. So um who knows? I mean it's in uh it's in their hands. And I mean and and a point behind Drahadar Finn Harps. Now what I would say is two points behind Drahadar Bose, who are well used to qualifying for Europe and just finding form. So we can go, go on and talk about them them later on but um what can we say about the the start Tim Clancy's made it's been absolutely superb he's found some players the likes of James Brown as you mentioned who certainly has been a revelation this season but again it's a lot of the the older more established experienced quality premier division players that are making the the difference in this and uh you you've, you've mentioned them paul the likes of gary deegan Dan massey ronan murray etc and uh hats off to tim clancy and to drogheda
1: Yeah, well look if Drada continue going the way they're going they could well be on a european adventure but um let's move it on then to their arch rivals they obviously played finn harps up in finn park um a one-all draw barry mcnamee with the goal what a goal it was by the way um lovely left footed strike inside the box into the top corner and left the keeper there with absolutely no chance of saving. It was unbelievable. And then uh, mid-Skogan gets the equalizer in the 49th minute to make it 1-1. But again, I mean, Dundalk are just not, just, just for, whatever, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to get any sort of rhythm going. And th- these are games that you'd be expecting them to to win. Um, maybe not this season, but definitely in years gone by, this would be an almost foregone conclusion that they would win this game. Now, that credit has to go to Finn Harms, who've obviously bounced back from the result against Bowes last week where they were just not up to scratch at all. And it, they got a bit of a response, I suppose, taking the lead against Dundalk and then holding out for a draw. But what was it, what were your thoughts when you saw this game? Were you shocked? Or at this stage, does not really shock you with Dundalk anymore?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a few things on this. Um, yeah, I suppose nothing does shock me on Dundalk anymore. Um, this uh, This is a classic game of two halves. I mean, the first half, Finn Harps were absolutely superb. Uh, they got the goal—a brilliant goal from Barry mcnamee as you said. I was in the markets field um, w- well before the Treaty United game, and there was already a murmur around the stand, and people were saying, "Have a look at this!" And people were watching the goal because there were highlights put up on Twitter by—I um, don't know—I can't remember if it was Finn Harps or the SSE Electricity League or whoever put them up. But the goal—the goal was actually put up. Uh, on Twitter, and it, it's an amazing goal. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend you watch it. Uh, brilliant finish. Uh, Dundalk were lucky to only go in at half time one down. Finn Harps could have been two or three up. They were totally dominant. They, they should have been out of sight. And but as I said, the classic game of two halves. Dundalk came out in the second half, equalised as you said so quickly through Mitscogan. and uh, after that there was only going to be one winner. But Dundalk just couldn't get the winner. Um, it's, it's definitely, look, we've said this before, Dundalk need a manager and they need a manager fast. They have, at, at worst, the second uh, best squad in the league and at worst, the second biggest budget in the league and, and arguably probably the biggest. I mean, the players they have, the quality of players from all around the world they're they're not coming cheap and they are quality players and they shouldn't be where they are in the league they should be a lot further up they should be getting better results and as you said they should be beating uh, beating Finn harps so it's uh it has to be a concern they need a manager in quickly and uh well what else what else can we say but again hats off to ollie horgan and paul hegarty because they're doing an incredible job up there we're talking about draw. Had been in fourth place, Finn Harps are a point behind them in fifth, and uh, and they've got. Arguably one of the smallest budgets in the Premier Division. They have a smaller budget than quite a few First Division sides. They're definitely punching above their weight, and they continue to punch above their weight. And as a Limerick man, I obviously have bad memories of playoffs against Harps, and and, and Limerick teams that had significantly bigger budgets and probably better players than Harps at the time, and unfortunately uh, fell victim to to Ollie Horgan as well. But I mean. I can, even through gritted teeth, give them the the full credit they deserve because he is doing a superb job. And uh, I know the Harps fans are delighted with the way, and they should be, with the way things are going up there. And uh, rather than looking at the relegation battle, I think at worst you're looking at mid-table mediocrity for Finn Harps this season. And who knows, um, they could still challenge for a place in Europe.
1: Yeah, imagine how amazing it would be if they did get Europe. Now watching them against Bose last week, I just don't think that they will get Europe because I think the, there are other teams that'll be there thereabouts. I mean you've got to think of Sligo, uh Bose. I think Dundalk, once they kinda get a manager sorted. Um, I put it out on Twitter yesterday. I've been hearing rumors that it's Curtis Fleming's gonna be coming in there, but that's neither confirmed nor denied. So don't take that as gospel just yet. Um we'll see what happens there. But he he has a a good amount of experience. I was actually looking up his um, coaching experience and stuff like that. I mean, he's coaching with uh, Middlesbrough, QPR, and then obviously over in India. I think he just finished up in India there, so I think that's why he's been touted as the next person to come in there. But again, we will have to wait and see how that one goes and if it's true or not, because um, at the moment it's just a rumor. But uh, I think once they're kind of get moving up up the league, I think they'll be they have to be targeting finishing in the top three. Um or four, but I just don't see Finn Harps getting the European places. And I don't want to put like I don't want to be negative towards them. I think what they've achieved so far is brilliant, and you know I hope they finish as high up the league as possible for them. Uh, I just think Europe is maybe a stretch too far. But at the same time, I would be happily proven wrong if that was the case. As I said at the start when I started talking, how amazing it would be to see it. But I just think as you, as because you mentioned obviously Dundalk squad and stuff like that. I think once they just get a run together and they start just getting that cohesion back, and maybe they might add some more players in the uh, the half-season break, then I think they, they'll be looking at, at kicking on again. So um I think they've really been missing players like Pat Huben. I know he was injured for a while. I'm not sure. If I haven't seen him back in the squad yet, or if he has, I've, I've been mistaken. Um <clears throat> So I, I actually haven't had a chance to kind of see... How well they've been playing in games you can only kind of go off match reports and stuff like that so i'm hoping that obviously i can get into the game now on friday against shamrock rovers at Oriel park and maybe this will be the game where they end chamois rovers on beaten streak and then they go on a bit of a run themselves you just never know in football
0: yeah no i'll tell you it must also stick in dundalk's crawl watching rovers as champions on a 33 match on beaten run and i'm sure they're absolutely waiting to for Friday night and they would absolutely love to end the Rovers on beaten streak and I I agree with you the minimum target for Dundalk now must be to qualify for European football but the way they're playing and the way the league table looks it, it things are going to need to turn around they're going to need to turn around quickly now you're looking at this weekend's games they have Shamrock Rovers at home on Friday night they're away to Bowes on Monday if they were to get a couple of wins there suddenly things would be totally transformed but i've just got a bit of a concern that it's dragged on this long without a manager and it, now maybe maybe there's something in the background maybe this court is Curtis Fleming. i don't know paul but um it just doesn't it doesn't all go well that they're still looking for a manager and i, I think they need one pretty soon because if things were going to were to go wrong for them this weekend i mean they could certainly they could probably find themselves in the bottom three on on friday night because i would expect Derry to go to the rsc and beat waterford and suddenly dundalk are going to become the the target for the bottom two now that sounds absolutely ridiculous but they they could end up looking over their shoulder um but well time will tell
1: just, just I, I didn't want to interrupt you there, but do you think it's
0: the chairman that
1: people are just kind of going, Well, look what they did with Vinnie Perth, uh, look what they did with Shane Keegan and, and Filippo. Do I really need that kind of hassle? Um, you know, fair enough if they have a pro license or whatever, they could go straight in, but I, I think with this Bill Hull size guy, it doesn't seem like anyone wants to work under him.
0: I don't know, I don't know if it's that, Paul. I look dundalk is a fantastic opportunity for any manager there is a a superb squad of players there um they have european football coming up in july and they're also seeded, so they could well get through a couple of rounds of this new europa conference league um i think there'll be lots of managers um just chomping at the bit for it i mean it's it's jim magilton is in there as the sporting director and i think he's the person tasked with finding the manager and I know they've certainly if you follow the reports they've spoken to quite a few people I know David Healy was tipped um, by some journalists in Dundalk who, who seemed to be in the know and uh, unfortunately it looks like he's signing a new contract at Linfield at the moment or that's the latest word out of Belfast so I, I think he would have been a, an excellent choice so maybe they've just been knocked back on a couple as, as you have mentioned Curtis Fleming I haven't heard that anywhere else um, but it is it is a very attractive job, and I, I don't think. Look, I, I I've read some of the stories about Bill Halseyzer, but I, I I wouldn't be that too concerned if you get in an experienced manager, he'll be well able to deal. Uh, look, there's been plenty of chairman in League of Ireland football who have let's let's just say have been a bit eccentric or everything and in fairness to Bill Holsizer, he or his family have put in quite a lot of money into Dundalk Football Club and I think the, the Dundalk fans need to be careful what they wish for there because this is not a case of the the Glazers and Manchester United I mean the, the money being invested in Dundalk there's money being invested in Dundalk not being taken out of Dundalk and if Bill Holsizer was to leave I think Dundalk Football Club would be in a significantly worse place. So I I don't think the, the chairman is any concern to a new manager, but I think the club do need a new manager and a proven quality manager as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, well, I, I agree in some cases, but the fact is, you know, if you what they seem to be looking for is, is an up-and-coming manager who wants to come in. And I suppose if you're going to if you're going to go there as maybe your first big job in football, and I know Curtis Flemens works around or whatever, so if it is him, um, he might not be that bothered. But if it's a, an up-and-coming manager is trying to make his way in the game and he goes there and he's not allowed to have a say on certain things and then it goes disastrously bad, then he's tarnished himself and he might not get another job again. That's that's the only problem I would have. And I think that's why a lot of people would be a lot less, um, I suppose, inclined to, to apply for it. Now, look, they'll have... Uh, an endless supply of people, I'm sure, but where they get the right profile is obviously what they're looking at, and if the, I think that's what Jim jilton's looking at, as you said. So, look, if they get Curtis Fleming, I think he would fit the bill in terms of what they're looking for. But if it was a a, a really young up and coming manager like a Stephen O'Donnell who's just you know just stopped playing and came through like that, then I'd be saying I wouldn't. I'd be staying well clear of that. Do you know what I mean? I just use O'Donnell as an example. He's not linked with the job or anything like that. I'm literally just using him as an example of a player who's because there's some good. You know, good young managers in the league right now coming through: David Doyle at Longford, uh, Stephen Bradley at, at Shamrock um O'Donnell, Tim Clancy. There's a lot of good y- young managers of that, you know, that kind of mould coming through. And anyway, that age group and see that as a job. I don't think they'd be as inclined to go for it just just right now. Whereas obviously it was it would have been a, a different proposition when Vinnie Perth left originally. Then it was like seen as a really really you know nice job to go into but just right now there's a lot of negativity surrounding i think the protest is this week as well isn't it so um there's yeah. just a lot of negativity at the moment so if i was a young upcoming manager it wouldn't be the place i could, but who who am i to say or to judge that's up to them you know so that's just my take on it
0: and another name another possible name is keith long but i actually don't think it's a young and up-and-coming manager don't need at this stage i think they need an experienced head and if jim magelton actually the sporting director somebody who's got plenty of managerial experience across the water with the northern ireland on 21s etc uh someone like him actually would be ideal and i presume if he doesn't want it then someone of his ilk and i'm sure he's a lot of contacts in the game because i Dundalk have a a pretty experienced squad they have a multinational squad and I I I think it would be a very difficult task given the issues there for a young manager to go in there and try and make a name for himself I think they need an experienced head somebody to go in and to to transform this squad and it wouldn't take too much if you're an experienced football manager you've been around the block I'm sure you'll mold that group of players into a pretty formidable outfit because it's a good dressing
1: room, like the players that they have too, yeah, just to add to your point.
0: Yeah, they've got some very good players, and if you just get them organised and playing for each other, uh, I'm sure they'll move well up the table because I, I think at worst, and at worst they're the second best squad in the league, I don't want to say any more than that, because I think Rovers fans would probably be screaming at me and say, look at the league table and Rovers. Anyway, let, let's not go there. But Dundalk are well, well capable of stringing a run of wins together. And at worst, uh, well, I think it's too late for them to challenge for the title. But they can easily finish in the European places. And I think that's the minimum requirement for any manager coming in. But I think they need an experienced manager, and they need one quickly.
1: Mm. Well, guys, let us know your thoughts on that in the comments and who would you like to get in? If there was someone that you had your, you had a choice of who you could get in, let us know who you would choose if you're a Dundalk fan. Or maybe you're just a neutral and you'd like to see this manager at that club. And then, Yeah, we were speaking there about uh, moving up the league and getting a couple of wins together. Uh, Bows have done that now and they're starting to show, I suppose, signs of last season and they're starting to get the act together goals from Liam Burns, a nice left footed finish, and then Ali Cute with the goal again after following up from his double last week so um liam burst seems to be really finding his feet now at bose um, we spoke about them replacing those attacking players that they have and he seems to be a really good sign and a a good fit for the club and obviously Ali cute as well coming in from waterford who was impressive for waterford last season as well and he's came in there and kind of come into that midfield I suppose in some ways, I'm not sure how much was expected of him coming in originally but he's really starting to kind of show signs that he's a really good player and um, Bo's, as I say, climbing up the table, 2-0 being at Bishop's Gate, um, Longford another defeat for them, but again, I don't think Bo- Longford will be too disheartened by results like this, I think, I think at, the, at the start of the season we're talking about Longford and to be looking at games like this where they probably go, okay we'll, we'll probably take a hit there but we need to you know, make sure that we're you know, firing on all th- cylinders when we're coming up against the likes of the teams that are around us. Maybe you know your your um Waterfords and that. I don't even know who's kind of around them at the moment because the league table is constantly changing. Um, you know, Bows would have been around them a couple of weeks ago. Now they've shot up with a couple of wins, and you know, drawdars are gone up uh, uh, again with a nice win there, and Finn Harps again getting back up with, with a draw there. So, at the moment, it's it's kind of that type of season where everyone's kind of beating everyone. But from a long for point of view, I think they. They're coming up against the Bowes side that are starting to show a lot of strengths like they did last season
0: yeah it's a, c- a couple of things, first of all uh, Longford, their second bottom the one point ahead of Waterford and I cannot see Longford catching any of the teams above them, I just don't think it's on, they've, they've now gone 10 games without a win, they won their opening match against Derry City and they haven't won a game since, they have picked up some crucial points as you said Uh decent draw with Dundalk but they were two up They were a goal up in the Brandy well in the last minute of added time and unfortunately conceded a goal so th- there'll probably be disappointment they haven't picked up a few more points having said that Longford with a surprise packet to even get promotion last season it was quite an achievement for them to get up during the playoffs they are they've got a pretty small budget probably one of the smallest in the Premier Division and smaller as, as I said than a lot of the first division clubs as well so they're probably motoring along nicely. They they will be targeting Waterford's visit to Bishop's Gate in, in a few weeks. They were a bit unfortunate to lose in the RSC. Uh, although Waterford were considered a great win considering their 10 men as well a couple of weeks ago. And it's those kind of games will be crucial. But I can't see Longford finishing any higher than where they are at the moment. And I suppose if you offered them the relegation playoff, they'd probably take... Uh, bite your hand off and take their chances in it because as battled hardened Premier Division side they will be fancied in that playoff or they will be certainly very difficult to beat uh getting back to Bose so we said this about Bose every year Keith long is doing a, an incredible job there he every year he loses his best players and this year was no exception i mean you take the front three we've talked about them andre Wright, danny grant and chris twardick he lost the three of them they were the stars of last season lost dan casey as well and yet again he's finding players ali coote was a great signing um he was probably one of waterford's better players last season um liam burke as you say he brought him in from scotland he's he seems to be a celtic did he I'm not sure what club he came from, but, he's, but he used um, to play with Celtic. Been... Anyway,
1: from his Instagram, okay. I saw pictures of him at
0: Celtic. Yeah, okay. He seems to be uh come from nowhere, from what I I hadn't heard of him. No, I must admit that. Yeah. And uh, until Bo signed him, and uh, he he's he scored quite a few goals lately. Proven to be a superb signing. Ross Tierney's playing really really well for them as well, and, and they've Dawson Devoy, who is, is still coming through as well. It looks like quite a talent. So. Bose hadn't made a great start to the season they've certainly turned things around they're just behind draw and Finn Harps in the battle for fourth at the moment and uh, you have to think Bose will probably be the favorites to finish ahead of those two uh, a crucial weekend coming up for Keith long now because they're on a, a good run they've got some very good results but they go to Richmond Park to face Pat's on Friday and the entertained and dock on Monday and uh this time next week you're looking at the league table looking back over those two games we could have uh, uh, different views but at the moment it's onwards and upwards for Bowes because they they are they seem to have found form the new players seem to have bedded in well and uh look i i, I said this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Bowes, and said keith long needed time and i i thought he might have needed a bit more time than he than it, than this, but he, he already seems to have turned it around very quickly. And uh so what can I say? Just hats off. And uh the only negative for the Bose fans is that because they've they've been overachieving now for a number of years given the budget they have, but the only negative for them is their bitter rivals are top of the table, clear in the league again. And uh it must take some of the gloss off their superb season to see the only team ahead of them last season was shamrock rovers but um well done bows and it will be a very very interesting weekend for those games against pats and dundalk
1: yeah um just just on obviously bows there and just with the um the fact that you know, you're saying there about Keith Long and stuff like that, he had mentioned that they have been playing good football, it's just maybe sometimes results hadn't gone their way, or, you know, you think back to the Finn Harps game where they gifted them a goal, and then it was kind of Finn Harps just sitting back and kind of taking the result there. So there's been games like that where I think maybe, uh, you know, you just see a scoreline and you don't see the performance, but obviously you're ultimately judged on that. But I think he was quite confident in the fact that The lads, I suppose, had been playing quite well. It's just maybe it just wasn't quite ticking. And the fact that, you know, Bert and Kush seem to be good mates because they're both Scottish. I was at the game last week and when I pulled Ali Kudo over for the interview, you know, Liam Bert was kind of giving him a bit of a stick and and then they kind of noticed that they were quite good mates. And obviously the Scottish accent and stuff like that. So I think that will obviously help the two of them settle into that club as well. So it seems as though it's going quite well for them again. You just kind of take it week by week, I suppose, at the moment, especially with COVID, because you just don't know what way results will go. Uh, but definitely, I think uh, Bowles will take this. Longford, on the other hand, I think they just have got to keep going and keep trying to keep the confidence and morale high within the squad because it's going to be a long season, either way, I think, for them. But just to kind of lastly, obviously, the, the game against Waterford and Sligo was postponed due to the COVID stuff. Uh, but just want to obviously, the game wasn't played, but this morning, Sligo have announced new plans for a stadium so i have an article up here from rte i'm just going to read it out for anyone who may not know and um, we might speak about that before we finish up so Sligo rovers have laid out plans to redevelop their existing stadium at the showgrounds as well as building a new academy complex in sligo in an estimated 17.3 million euro project the bitter red who are set to go second in the ssc artistry League Premier Division this week have published a 54-page document detailing their vision of turning their home into a 6,000-seater stadium. The FAO have described the plan as a As visionary and offered unanimous support to Sligo, the club are also set to open up the stadium to other sports after a provisional agreement with Sligo Rugby Club to use the stadium for major matches and and an invitation to host provincial games. As a result, the new extendable hybrid pitch would be installed in the ground consisting of 95% grass the club are actively seeking land within the sligo area for the re- for the development of an academy base containing three pitches outside of the showgrounds preliminary discussions have taken place with sligo county council and they have endorsed the plan Sligo Rovers Chairman Tommy Higgins said today we present a vision that has been created not just over the last year but through the growth and enhancement of the club in its modern existence we see unlimited potential in Sligo Rovers Football Club today the football represents a beacon and focal point of the community something we have worked tirelessly to achieve we also have a youth setup which is developing countless footballers going on to play senior league of Ireland each year while still being in its infancy Prior to COVID-19, we had 11 players representing Ireland at underage level during one calendar year, and our desire is to invest further in the area. In the future, we want to develop a facility that can raise standards even further across the board, that is by improving football players through investment in coaching, teams and the experience of the supporter to enhance our attendance figures. As a community club, we also, we also seek to bring further benefits to our local economy and provide the opportunity to young boys aspiring to become the next Seamus Coleman to live out their dream. And for girls who need more front of house women wearing the bit of red Sligo Rovers as soon as possible. And then there's just a bit more from from kind of Jonathan Hill just kind of endorsing it and stuff like that. But that's the gist of it.
0: Yeah, it's great news, and it's great to see. Look, Sligo Rovers are a fantastic club, very much a community club. And if you go to Sligo, it's a real football town, and uh, football seems to be the only sport played in the town. And Rovers, and it's very much Rovers as well. It's not Man United or Liverpool or anything like that. And uh, it is a great place to go. Um, it's uh, it's a fantastic place to go to visit as an away fan as well. And uh, I really hope these plans do come to to fruition. They they have fantastic support in the town, and I know every door in Sligo gets knocked every year for uh, to support Rovers. And. Uh, I would love to see it happen because they do develop some fantastic players. They have fantastic support. they have brilliant volunteerism in the town. And, uh, it's great to hear of plans like this. And, uh, it might be a bit optimistic. I think they're hoping to do it in the next six years, but, um, I, I really hope it comes to fruition, A 6,000 capacity stadium in Sligo would be fantastic, but just all those those academies and bringing forward the 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 boys and girls of the future to play not just for sligo rovers but to play for um for the republic of ireland as well uh, would be great to see so best to look and they're a fantastic club and uh look long may they continue to succeed in the northwest
1: yeah, you'd wonder if maybe um, their their deal with Everton had something to do with it as well. You you'd never know that could that could be something that helped them out as well. So, look, I think it's exciting times for Sligo. I like Sligo as a club, and um, you know, as you mentioned there, Seamus Coleman, who has a huge place in my heart. So, um, you know, definitely seeing players coming from there and growing up to be someone like him. I mean, what what a person that you want to kind of emulate. What a pro. What a guy. You know, everything about Seamus Coleman, he sets the standards in terms of role models. I mean, if you if if are you a parent and you wanted your kid to be anyone growing up as a footballer, I mean, Seamus Coleman is, is someone who you, you would aspire to be, just the way he carries himself, his professionalism, his just everything about him. And I suppose maybe he would set those values at Sligo. So to then go on because he's still quite a humble man even though like I, I wouldn't say he's gone on to win trophies and stuff like that but he has reached a quite a high level in the game to still maintain the kind of standards in which he he he's keeps himself you know so i think this is exciting times for sligo and um yeah I, I think more clubs need to invest in facilities as well and around the league as well Um, i would like to see it at other clubs too and then um we have a kind of I know the football is starting to improve because we're starting to make it more of a development league. So it'd be nice to see the standard the standard of facilities match the kind of standard of players. I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, no, actually, the the facilities in Sligo are pretty good as it is. that I mean, don't the don't league as a whole, though. Yeah, There's but in the so league much as a whole, fun. in the league as a whole, it would be it would certainly be nice to see the the spectator facilities and the training facilities and the academy facilities for the clubs. Uh, certainly improve but um, yeah look let's hope these plans come to fruition because it would be great to see and as you say Paul let, let's hope to see them around the country as well.
1: Yeah just just to touch on Waterford they've obviously had yeah, an ongoing Covid case or a couple of Covid cases and um... I don't know if we touched on it last week, Mark Bertrams came in as, as their new manager. I think he just got out quarantine yesterday or the day before, and he put up a couple of pictures of being around the training ground and so on. So um, I think he'll be eager to get in, meet the squad, and then you know they can get back to playing games again without having a COVID riddle, riddled squad. and That's kind of hampered the last two games. Obviously, we know they got hammered by Drogheda, and the game was just postponed there. So hopefully that will get sorted. Um, have you had to add on Waterford just before we wrap it up?
0: no i suppose just to say it, it, it he, he's got a tough job in his hands they're mm-hmm. bottom of the league and uh, the best to look to him it's it, it's sad to see there was only one monster team in the the premier division and unfortunately they're propping up the division and uh, I, I hope waterford do turn it around it, it will be difficult for them and uh, it, well just hopefully they can put COVID and the, the COVID case behind them and get things right. They, they have Derry City visiting the RSC on Friday night and, and that's going to be a really tough game for them but uh, mm-hmm. they could really do with getting the result.
1: And they have beaten Derry earlier on the season so it will be interesting to see yeah. um, that game. I think that that's a bit of a six-pointer there. I Actually, I forgot Derry when I was talking about teams earlier on when I was talking about Longford and teams around them. Derry will probably be there right now. So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting week this week. I think um let us know your thoughts anyway in the comments. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Huge thanks, Gary, for joining us. And uh, yeah, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe. I know we got 10,000 subscribers, so you are all amazing. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, we'll speak to you all soon. Leave your thoughts in the comments and take care. God bless.
0: Thanks, guys.